All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I'm Terry Lin here with my co-host, Travis Marziani, and today we're going to talk about the checklist to starting an e-commerce store. Uh, so recently, I've been helping a client build a new store on Shopify, so we're going to talk about the best practices to get started up and running. How can you kind of do this quickly and efficiently without any holes? So before we go, um, some updates. Travis, what's going on? Yeah, I have two big updates, and the first one's something I'm a little bit upset about, and if you listen to this podcast for a while, you know that in the past I've talked about ad roll and remarketing in general. And I'm a, still a big fan of remarketing, but ad roll has completely lost my trust. I recently went in and kind of audited my account. And back a few months ago, I set the max CPM I would allow to 80 cents, which for display advertising is, you know, it's low, but it's somewhat fair. That's where I found my return on investment. So I set it to 80 cents, let it go ignored it for a few months. And I came back about a week ago and I saw that it was, I was getting charged about $5 CPMs. So I called them, I called them over and over again repeatedly and they kept ignoring my messages. They, they actually disconnected me about five times. When I finally got a hold of someone, their comment was basically like, well, sorry, I guess you didn't read the terms and, terms and conditions. And they changed their pricing model and they did all this weird stuff. It was all super shady. So I was really pissed off about that because it's basically I agreed to pay a max of 80 cents and they kind of just said, nah, we don't really care about that. So this is on Facebook ads or Google remarketing or this is on Google remarketing. And even uh, back in the day when I was pro ad roll, I, I think I remember telling everybody like, don't do the Facebook remarketing because when I was doing the Facebook remarketing with ad roll, I was getting like $25 uh, CPMs. And through Facebook remarketing, I was getting $5 CPMs. And I, I'm pretty confident that a similar thing is going to happen when I do remarketing through Google directly. It's going to be way, way cheaper. So that was one of my big uh, things that I learned in the last week. So is this an open call to dump your ad roll account for all the listeners? Basically, I, I double check it. Like, I, you know, I'm the, some people probably will still love ad roll and it definitely has some advantages. It is pretty easy to use, but... Um, I wish someone would have told me a few months ago, hey, you should go double check it because they're they're charging more than they should be. I called them up and if they are, call them up and it took a lot of work. They gave me like a $70 credit, which doesn't even come close to covering my expenses. But yeah, if, if you're using AdRoll, check on how much uh, they're charging you because they're they're doing some shady things. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, double check your ad roll. And uh, next thing, email marketing. What, what have you been doing here? Yeah, there's another, just a small little thing. And I recently set out an email to all my um, past customers. And usually when I split test things, and I, I don't know how you feel about it, Terry, but, but not, I feel like 99% of the times when I split test two things, it's like one's a tiny bit better than the other one. It's like almost not even statistically significant. I A, B split tested the from names and I did one, I sent out one group uh, of the from name, Cindy Marziani, which is my mom, owner of the company. And the other from name was bdancer.com, the name of our company. And my thought was originally bdancer.com is good because then people see that and they remember, oh yeah, that's that website where I bought dance clothing from. I should go buy again. But the open rate with the Cindy Marziani was about three and a half times as good. So it was it, right in between three and four times good as the other one. So the one got like 400 people opening it, the Cindy Marziani. The other one got 100 people opening it. So split test your from names. Try your own personal name, especially a lot of the smaller companies out there. You probably have some kind of repertoire with your customers and or if nothing else, I think people would rather open an email 
uh, from a real person than the .com or your business name. Well, I think on your site, your about us video is your mom welcoming everyone to the store, right? So yeah. it would make sense yeah. that she's the person emailing too, I guess. Yeah, and another thing, what we what I do a lot of times is I'll insert dynamically their first name into the email. So the one email will say, um, you know, from Cindy Marziani, and it'll say, Susan, have you seen our new Instagram? Which sounds a lot better than bdancewear.com saying, Susan, have you seen our new Instagram? Because the first one sounds like, hey, like we're friends. And the second one's like, I'm a big company. Will you please follow me on Instagram? You know? Yeah, it's like if Taco Bell wrote to you and it was like Taco Bell. I was like, well, I know you're a company. But it was like, you know, Jane Smith at Taco Bell. Oh, okay, who are you? And you're actually a real person. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things to get started with before you start a store is to realize that your tasks are kind of in really four categories. Um, so uh, the four categories are uh, website, logistics, product, and marketing. And the way I split this up is because the big bulk of stuff when you start a store is really the product side because um, when you have your titles, categories, your whole structure of the store really revolves around that. And whereas like the basic stuff like your about us page, shipping page, whatever, like that stuff you get, you do it once and then you kind of just let it sit there. And that stuff's relatively quick to figure out. Whereas like if you have 100 products, 200 products, uh, you really have to know what you're doing before you slap them on because the mistake is if you just start entering stuff in and it's not uniform and then you fix it later, you're going to just keep doing this stuff back and forth. So uh, we're going to just go over kind of each category today on getting started and what are the checklists uh, as you go through each one so you can do it quickly, uh, maybe within a week, uh, within two weeks, um, depending on your product size too. So first part, uh, website. Uh, you want to have your domain obviously bought first and part of the thing that that's important here is too when you go on a cart either shopify or big commerce you'll have a subdomain first on their back end which is basically like a staging platform it'll be something something you know cherrystore.myshopify.com or travis's store at uh, travis's or whatever right and so basically once you build your site on that store first then you reroute the dns settings to the actual website uh, to your domain and then that's when things actually are live another thing actually for people that are looking to buy a domain if you want to get a really cheap domain type in 99 cent domains into godaddy click on one of the adwords things and you can get it for 99 cents so if you're haven't ever bought from godaddy before and you're kind of like oh i should probably eventually buy this domain it's a dollar just just go do it yeah, and before you kind of get the store running too, if you want to have checkout on your own domain, like, uh, you know, bdancer.com slash checkout, on the, you need SSL certificate. Otherwise, the credit card info will just be sent across the internet as plain text. Now, if you want to use the shopping cart checkout, that's fine. They have a shared certificate there. But basically, when they check out, it'll be like, you know, travisstore.myshopify.com in the browser, and it won't be your own domain. And, you know, the jury's out there whether this actually lowers your conversion or not, but it's just kind of an aesthetic thing if you want to have it all on your own SSL and things like that too. All right, next, uh, obviously the easy one, uh, kind of logo and your brand assets. You want to know what your store's going to be called and kind of have a logo set up. And this will vary based on the theme you use, whether you're using your own designer or you're using an out-of-the-stock theme. Usually out-of-stock out of themes will have a documentation that tells you uh, don't keep this logo um, over like 500 pixels by 500 pixels. There's a certain size they'll tell you where it won't look right or it'll start breaking uh, on the visual side too. So pretty straightforward. This is really kind of like a one-time thing. Uh, and when you think about your logo, if you have a lot of text in there too, you got to make sure that it renders correctly on different themes too. Because if the theme has just a small, you know, 100 by 100 pixel icon for it, and your store is like, you know, 
the best dancewear.com. Like you're not going to be able to fit all that text in too. So when you look at a theme, you want to look at the documentation and see if the brand assets actually make sense on your. Otherwise, you got to go into Photoshop and get your designer to kind of remove a little bit here and there. And this is one thing actually that really hung me up at the beginning because there's kind of two strategies in my opinion on this. One is to go to a site like 99designs or hire some kind of professional designer, get a good logo, spend, you know, 350 $400, $500 on it. And then the other flip side, which I chose, was to just do something basic and then update it as you start to grow revenue. And Terry, I, I, feel, I have a feeling that you're in the same boat as me where it's kind of like do something relatively basic, but what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, you could just use like a text name of your store. That's fine. Like that's the most basic way, right? But it depends how much you want to invest in this. But I think like getting sales is the most important thing usually. So I wouldn't put too much. Yeah, I, I think back to like uh, Coke logos and all these kind of companies. If you look at the first iteration of most companies' logos, they're pretty bad. So just start with something basic. Yeah, you could like Google any site. Yeah, exactly. There's no point to get hung up on this. I mean, unless you're like an existing brand. Like you have an offline store with some brand that you need to keep consistent, but you know most people who if it's your first store, it's not that big of a deal. All right, so next uh, part of the website, basic pages. There's usually four or five pages. Uh, these are the your about us page, shipping policy, privacy policy, and contact us. So there's probably other more other ones you can have, like you know uh, our story or the variations, like you know contact us, things like that. But basically, these are the four, and the one. About us, you want to know who you are, you know, who's the owner, what's the store about, shipping policy, you know, do you have free shipping, uh, do you have free returns, or, you know, do you sell international, things like that. Privacy is kind of more of a legal thing where if you use certain plugins, uh, like retargeting cookies, there's certain things you need to comply by just to, like, tell people they're being retargeted. Like, no one ever reads this, but you need to have it just because uh, in case someone wants to sue you or, you know, you don't want to get in trouble. And then contact us. Uh, usually you want to have a support email, whether that's hi at your domain, your own name, whatever. Uh, don't use a Gmail. If you have a domain, you should have an email with that domain because the next thing is that once you have that email, you should have a consistent sign-in address for all accounts, whether that's your hosted shopping cart, uh, your analytics, webmaster tools, SEO tools, you know, marketing tools, MailChimp, all this stuff. You want to you want to have one account. Otherwise, if you're using a personal account and then you you have a team member, you don't want to like have to share this with them, and it's kind of a pain in the ass if that's not like all right in the same account. They're in the same way, and it's easier because once you have it in the same email account, like your confirmation emails, whenever you need to reset a password, like your orders, it's kind of all separate from your personal, and it's a lot cleaner that way too. Yeah, something I want to throw in going back to the basic pages is I think especially for small e-commerce companies, the about us page is crucial because what's the difference between you and Amazon? Well, Amazon's obviously a lot bigger and a lot better at selling things, but the reason someone would come to you is because you have that human element, hopefully. So I think that if you can make your about us page, make someone feel like they know you or make someone feel like, oh, wow, this person, this company is awesome because of X, Y, and Z, that's really important. And a lot of people including myself, to be quite honest, don't put enough time into the About Us page. And I've been trying to slowly tweak it. I recently added a, a video to our site, which I think has done a, a really good helping the customers realize that we're real people. But I think that uh, I'd still like to spend more time on the About Us page. Yeah, there was a hack I remember Tim Ferriss talking about where it's kind of like a little unethical, but kind of useful, I guess, if you want to make yourself look bigger, like if you're you know, you're looking for wholesalers, you want to make yourself not look like a one man, one woman operation, you would just add like VP of marketing, VP of editorial, and like have your friends 
be like part of the team and then you can just have those emails route to your own email and uh, it's like how you have like when you call someone you have different extensions to make it look sound your company look bigger on paper because like for some of that stuff like negotiating with suppliers like in asia like we have some friends who do that and they do use these tricks because it makes a company look a lot bigger too. Uh, jury's out on this, let you guys decide, but basically uh, the website portion to get started is you want your, your DNS settings, domain settings, uh, SSL if you want to check out on your own domain, uh, logo, brand assets, and then the basic pages and the email address. Now domain stuff, we didn't go into like the MX servers, CNAME, A stuff, like the actual when you route emails to different servers, if you're using Google Apps or Gmail, or all these things like that's a little too technical to talk about and it's different based on each card too so um, that basically is how the dns your domain routes emails you know when they go to www which one does it go to where does it actually point to as an address on the server so we don't want to get into that because that's we're just going to make people go to sleep and it's a lot easier it sounds like when you're saying that even i'm kind of like oh wow that sounds like a lot of work but when you actually do it it's like it's a one-time thing where you type in a couple you know, like a couple letters and it's super easy to figure out. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next part. The next part is logistics. So the website stuff is just basically what you need to get running. And there's probably more stuff you can do, but we're just here to give you the bare minimum to get started. So address and phone. Uh, usually in each hosted cart, you'll need to enter some kind of address. And also because this is needed for the shipping info, uh, whether you're generating or shipping rate on USPS to send your customer or when they're during the communications, you know, in their signature, it's nice to have a real address and phone. Even if it's just a PO box, at least they know you have some kind of physical presence somewhere to know that you're not just the internet guy looking to take the money. <laughs> yeah, I think um, having the address is really important. But to me, the, the more important part is the phone number, especially if you can have a 1-800 number. I think it looks really, I think it looks a lot more professional. And if you have the ability, and I know some of us, like you, Terry, can't answer a phone at reasonable times because you're in another country time zone. But if you can and you're in like the United States, I think having the phone number easily, it's like somewhere easy for the people to see it and be able to call. Even if they're not going to call, it makes people feel good. Like if I see a company that doesn't have a phone number, it makes me a little skeptical. It makes me a little bit like, hmm, are they just going to take my money and run? Or what are they going to do with that, you know? And very rarely do people call. I think like once in a while you get a call and I forward it to my Skype number and then it, they leave a message and then I'll just call them back later on. And usually that's all I do. I think for your industry, that's true. Uh, for my industry, the dance clothing, a lot of people call to place orders. A lot of people, we've, we've had a number of people that say like, oh, I don't trust the internet. I don't want to give them their, give my credit card onto the internet. Little do they know, it's probably less safe to give it over the phone because now if we had a bad employee, for instance, they could probably write that down and steal all this information. We don't have any bad employees for the record, but you know what I'm saying. It's the internet's a pretty secure way to do it nowadays. Phone's almost the less secure. All right, so uh, next one, payment gateways. Uh, obviously, you want to be able to collect money. Um, there's some default ones that come with shopping cards, but you want to make sure they're all set up correctly. This includes uh, actually testing it with a real card, putting in a real order once your store's up, and actually refunding yourself. Uh, because the last thing you want to do is you know, build a store and get no orders and realize your payment wasn't set up correctly because you won't know until you try it, too. It's one of those things that are really simple, and really easy to mess up too. And so gateways, I would recommend two options at least, uh, just because if one fa fails, by any chance you still have another one. And also um, some people might like credit cards, some people might like PayPal. Uh, you don't want to force someone to use one. 
you want to give them as many options as possible. That kind of makes sense too. Another good thing about doing that test purchase is it gives you a chance to see the emails, the follow-up emails that the people buying from you, your customers are going to be receiving. And my opinion on that too is if you can make it a little bit more customized, a little bit more fun, that's great. Because I mean, it's one thing to get a receipt. It's another thing to get like a conversation in your inbox or I think anytime, especially as a small e-commerce, you can add some flair to your copy. Uh, after a gateway, you want to also have a shipping solution. So once you get an order, how are you going to actually send it? So when I first started, I actually just used Excel and I printed it out with the mail merge and it, it sucked because it's a, it's a huge waste of time even if you have like 10 orders. So a shipping solution, uh, if you're using like in the US, you know, you can use ShipStation, Stamps.com. Uh, if you're in like overseas, Royal Mail, like you want to know what you're going to use to send this. Usually your country has a default one that's good enough. Whether they have an online API that can tie into your store, uh, you got to double check that. And I think US people, it's fine. If you're in the UK, Australia, uh, it's a little bit trickier. You got to figure that out on your own because I don't know those markets essentially. So what, what these things do is you want them to be able to pull your customer's data, shipping, name, address, phone, into a label, and then you just press print, and then you can send it because that's the best way to do it. Now, you don't have to use a fulfillment center to outsource this, depending on your order flow. Um, usually, if you're just getting a couple orders a week, you can do it yourself. It's not that bad. Yeah, it took us a while to figure out that we need uh, a company like Stamps.com. I think we're using, I actually don't remember what we're using right now. I think we're using Shipping Easy right now, but uh, shop around. There, there could be a pretty big difference in price. That's one of my recommendations. Yeah, the cool thing now is uh, we use ShipStation, and ShipStation, you get a free Stamps.com account because uh, Stamps.com bought ShipStation, I think, last year. So they're it really integrated really well um, on both ends. And, and if you have multiple channels, too, uh, it's important because if you're selling Amazon, Etsy, eBay, like you don't want to track inventory between all four channels on their own because it's, it's going to go out of sync, too. So something like ShipStation... Uh, it's the only tool I know. Maybe there's like the one Travis uses where like all the orders go into the central location and then it gets sent out. Then you can track it a lot better on the back end too. Because if you're using your own store to track it, it gets really messy. And especially if you have like different option sets, different colors, like it's just a nightmare if every platform is tracking its own inventory. All right, so uh, last one in logistics is live chat. So live chat is pretty helpful. Uh, if someone has a question on your site, uh, you just want something to pop up. So the one I recommend is Zopim, Z-O-P-I-M, which is basically... I think it's from Europe, actually. Um, I'm not sure where it's from, but one account is free. So if it's just you running the store and you want it to like pop up while someone's visiting, uh, it can alert your phone and you can start chatting with the person. Or you can send an away message where they can type in the chat and then forward the email to you. And they give you the analytics, like time on site, uh, what did they type, what pages were they on, things like that. It's a very cool tool. And it's free for one person too. So if it's just you, that needs it um, you can certainly check it out and also the CSS for this tool you can change in terms of like the coloring the fonts fonts things like that you can make it custom to your sites uh, kind of branding too which is really cool I have a feeling that if I were to install this on my site I'd get a lot more conversations because I feel like with wallets it's pretty straightforward you know what kind of they're not gonna have too many questions um, no but your stuff is more custom yeah. so like you, you could get good data on what's not clear on your site too like they're asking you know ten of the same questions you know it's probably something you should change on your site too and it's probably worth you know doing that getting that notification for like a month or two to figure out yeah this is something i'm probably going to eventually have to set up it's i'll add it to my long list of things to do but that's yeah i mean it takes like you know like an hour to set up probably like less than 2 hours definitely 1 hour to 2 hours uh, so you know it's just inserting the html code in the header early that's it
and then setting up your colors and the size of the actual chat window and the fonts. All right, I'm going to get around to this now. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's logistics, uh, address and phone, kind of your business presence, uh, payment gateways, shipping solution, and live chat. So let's move on to the third one, which is product. So product is actually the big bulk of starting a store. If you look at the whole scheme of things, where the stuff that takes the most time, the most headaches, and where things can go wrong, because uh, if you have a lot of products, like say even like 40 products, categories, different titles, you have to get them SKUs, you know, UPCs, EANs, if you want to go on Amazon, and the other SEO stuff. Whereas like really this makes the bulk of your site. Because if you look at your site, you have a thousand products, really your about us page, your other pages are gonna be like five to six of them, and the other 900 things are gonna be your product pages, right? So you wanna get this right to get the right SEO juice and discoverability and all that things too. So I guess products, um, the, the best way to start with products, I think, is to really have a clean Excel that lists everything you want. And, and when I do Excel, you don't want separate tabs for each product category because then it gets really messy. You wanna have just like a main spreadsheet where everything's really clear in different columns uh, and things like that too. So I guess title, categories, you wanna know how you wanna structure your store, you know, whether you're doing like belts, you know, reversible belts, slide belts, things like that. You, you wanna have that structure all laid out before you start entering this in the store. Because if you just start putting random categories, it's gonna be such a mess and uh, you're gonna regret it later on. Yeah, I'd say spend a lot of time figuring out what you wanna make the titles of your both your products and your categories and spend some time doing the keyword research because a lot of times I think what you originally think should be the title of your product it may be true in your city or among your group of friends or in your own head, but when you do the actual keyword research, it's like, oh, I thought everyone called this a mini skirt, but it's actually called a straight skirt or whatever. So it's good to do that research. Yeah, and there's also SEO titles and product titles. So when you see product titles in your page, it's going to be what they click on like booty shorts. It'll be like red booty shorts, but on the SEO title you can say like hey buy red booty shorts with free usa shipping at beatanswer.com like or something like that you can change the seo title and the description and you want to have this on usually because then it helps you when someone's seeing at your site and actually in a search engine and there's a quick way to do this is most product shopping carts have like a csv import which is an excel comma delimited file that you can just import it on and usually uh, i fix this after the product is on there and make sure that the pricing is right images are right and then I'll download that I'll fix the SEO title and I'll re-upload that uh, usually just to kind of double check that way too and another thing is you know the product titles are obviously or the meta titles I should say are obviously extremely important a lot of people don't spend enough time on that but the meta descriptions is something that I see over and over again people have really crappy meta descriptions and that's when you're searching on Google it's the little description that comes uh, below a search result and what I recommend doing and I'm sure that there's other people that think I'm totally wrong. What I recommend doing is really having it as like bullet point, almost short snippets. So it might be something like 100% handmade in the USA, premium cotton, five colors or five fabrics, whatever, just like really like rapid fire as opposed to trying to make it into a long sentence because people are skimming that. They're not going to sit there and read your meta description. But if they see free shipping, five colors, handmade in the USA or whatever, they're more likely to click on it. Yeah, it's actually a real click-through rate tool, not like a description tool. Because if you don't fill it out, I think most carts just pull the default description 
in your product page and it may or may not be the right thing for click-through rates too. It's so. almost always the wrong thing for click-through rate rates. I, it kills me when I see a company that does that, if it's a company I like. When it's my competitors, it's awesome. But anytime you see the three dots, the ellipses, that means that someone didn't take the time to actually write a meta description. They just kind of let it automatically pull from there, uh, let their cart automatically pull it, which is not the right way to do it. Yeah, because when you see it on Google, you'll be like, oh, it's random words, dot, dot, dot. I'm, like, oh, I'm just going to click the next thing. Where something else, like, hey, you know, handmade in the USA, fast and free shipping, over 200 color selection, uh, you know, next day shipping or whatever, right? It's like a lot more enticing than, you know, this red booty short is made with fabric in yeah. Los Angeles, California. And <laughs> it's, it's really an advertisement. It's a free advertisement. You get to place it up. And I think because it's free, people don't put a lot of thought into it. But imagine if this was an AdWords ad how much thought would you put into the copy? At least a little bit. You'd take the time to write it out. So this is an advertisement that you get to have for free. So take that time to write a good meta title and a good meta description. Yeah, and the other side of this is the image alt tags, right? Because when people go to like Google image and they start searching stuff. Um, so the way to understand is that Google cannot tell what's on an image. Like if you show an image of your mom, an image of another lady, like unless the text tells you what it is like it's not smart enough to realize that it's two different people i mean maybe it can in the future but right now yeah it actually uses text to kind of see what image is each one so normally when you take product photos your dslr camera will be like you know slr 0001 and then 0002 and all the way to like 200 when you take photos right so the mistake is to just upload these as a file name and not add alt tag because when someone's searching red booty shorts they're not searching dslr 001 like that's that just doesn't make sense right so the alt tag tells the search engine you know what are the keywords that are related to this image and then it makes a lot of sense because if you have like a thousand products and you're not doing this you're probably missing out on a ton of search results that you know, your products could kind of show up for randomly throughout uh, different images. Yeah, absolutely. Too. So uh, two things, uh, you kind of touched on this already, but the file name, so the alt image tag is obviously really important, but so is the file name. So you'd want those two as best as you can to match. So if I were to do red booty shorts, I'd have a file name that's redbootyshorts.jpg and the alt image tag would be red booty shorts. And I've actually done this and I've ranked like for certain keywords, the first like three images are all mine. And that's awesome. Like when you get to see that because people are becoming familiar with your brand, your company before they even click through the search results. Alrighty, so that's uh, kind of product, the uh, titles, categories, description, SKUs, SEO meta, titles, image, alt tag, and kind of importing through a CSV, which will be different uh, based on your card. So let's move on to the fourth part and the last one, uh, SEO. So we threw SEO in because uh, it's technically a marketing side of things, but as you're building the site, you want to get the kind of roots of it set correctly. So it's like if you say like planting a tree, this is like, you know, getting your roots deep into the ground so the tree can grow big instead of like, you know, figuring out, oh, you got to move this tree around and it becomes really hard once you screw it up and your site's running. So um, where do we start with this? So we already talked about a lot of it. The proper keyword research is needed before you even get into this. And then I think the, the next big thing is proper link structure. And there's a couple different things I mean about this. But one of them is if you're setting up a store, so I'll use my store as an example, bdancewear.com. So then you'd want to have categories. So it'd be bdancewear.com slash dance shorts. And then for instance, it might be bdancewear.com slash dance shorts slash booty shorts dot html. And a lot of people don't put any thought into this and their link structures are all just auto uh, made by 
their shopping cart or they're just completely random numbers and strings. Well, that to Google looks really bad. That looks really messy. And I mean, as smart as Google is, it rewards people that are also smart and are willing to make their site easy to read. So one of the big things is make sure that your URLs reflect the keywords that you want to use and are as simple as possible. And that can be a challenge on some shopping carts, but your goal is to try to make that as simple as possible. Yeah, link structure is like, because when you look first look at a site, you don't really look at what your browser is showing you in the address bar. When you click on it, it was like one, two, three, question mark slash product ID equals two, three, four, five. Like it just doesn't make any sense when you're looking at it too. And, and it actually yeah, helps It helps with the click-through rate too because when someone sees it in the search result, you see the URL structure right under the title too. And if it's just some like random stuff, as it makes sense, you're probably turning people off. Yeah, I think at any point you can make your site easier, more user-friendly, more human-like, the better by far. Yeah. All right. So the next thing uh, we talked about titles and manual a little bit. We're going to talk about um, site maps and I guess uh, site structure. So site maps is essentially a file that tells Google, hey, here's what my site is. You know, here are what the pages are. Here's how they link together, and here you go. Just crawl this and index this, basically. So, a lot of times when you first get a site up, you want to submit the sitemap because um, you know search engines don't crawl it right away. I mean, they might, may or may not, but you're better off being proactive and just telling them, "Hey, here's my sitemap. What's up?" Yeah. On top of that, from your site, if you don't have a link pointing to a certain page, it's not going to carry any weight. And the flip side of that is, if there's a certain page that you want to rank really highly, make sure you link from your homepage to that. So for instance, for me, on my website, I have at the bottom like all our best-selling products. And I've done some testing. And when I remove a product from there and put another one, the original product drops in rank and the new product raises in rank because Google's saying, hey, this must be really important to this website if they're willing to put it on their homepage. And it's not just on their homepage, but the more pages throughout your website that you can link to a certain product, the higher up it's going to be. And don't be spammy about this, but be strategical. If you know that, oh, this one item's um, you know ranked number three and I really want it to be number one, put more links to that on your pages and you know maybe take off some other product links. Yeah, already. So next one is rich snippets. What's the deal with this one? Oh, I love rich snippets. And this is another thing that so many people aren't using and it, it kills me to see. Uh, it comes built in with Volusion, one of the few good things about Volusion. But I know Shopify and some other different shopping carts have the ability to do this. And there's a couple different types of rich snippets. But the one specifically that I love is the reviews. So if you ever are searching on Google for something and you see within the search results five gold stars or four gold stars or maybe three or two or one. Anyways, it's out of five stars how good are your products? So on my website, when someone leaves a review, and let's assume they're leaving a five-star review, that's great. It shows up on the product page. But in addition to that, it shows up in Google search result. So if you were to search for something like uh, you know, dance shorts or red dance shorts, you'll see all these results. And then you'll see mine, which has you know four and a half gold stars. And it'll completely stand out. And it's basically a free way to add some extra oomph to your your SEO search results. So if you can do that, I highly recommend doing it. Depends on the shopping cart, how easy it is to do. Gotcha. So I guess let's go a little off topic then. How would you start finding keywords for Oh, I mean store? the keyword tool for sure. So if you have an idea of what you should be calling something, um, 
you know, like for instance, for me, should I call it booty shorts or dance shorts or, you know, such and such? I would first, you know, ask some people in the industry, of course, because at the end of the day, the keyword tool isn't uh, all knowing. And if you type in the wrong stuff, it's not going to know. But then, you know, split or put all those into the keyword tool and see which keywords have the most results. Yeah, already then. So that's the basics for SEO. We're skimming this really quick. Uh, when you're starting out, proper keyword research, uh, title, meta descriptions, kind of like we mentioned earlier, link structure, your XML sitemap, uh, rich snippets, and kind of figuring out your keyword research and how to uh, find ideas too. So I guess that's the basics for part one in kind of getting a store up and running, uh, the best practices and making sure that you know you do it quickly and efficiently. Uh, just to recap again, there's four sections of website logistics, product, and SEO, and then we'll have a list of this on the site if you want kind of the recap and the actual checklist too. So next time uh, we'll do part two, kind of more on the marketing tools you want set up, uh, kind of like analytics, uh, heat maps, retargeting, getting your email list tied in, and other things that you should have from day one because uh, if you're missing out on some of these things, you're losing data that can help you kind of uh, tweak things as you go along too. Yep. Talk with you guys next week.